Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan. I'm my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week? I am positively fantastic. I was, well, we're usually we record this podcast uh, a week ahead, you know, and people, you know, the avid listeners who listen to this at 5 a.m. on a Monday might have noticed that this did not come up at 5 a.m. this Monday. You're probably listening to this on a Tuesday if you are an avid listener. And the reason for that is because Gary was extremely busy last week, exams, etc you know medicine life bits and then normally we'd be able to catch up on the weekend but i myself was busy on the weekend because i was at a seminar by the muscle manatees or the muscle mentor something like that anyway and one of my mates luke you know he does a seminar he was doing a seminar so i went over to support him you know so that's where i was and it was actually quite enjoyable um but that's my life for the last little bit. Uh, yourself, Gary, how did your exams go? I think you have more exams this week. Yes. So I had, I don't know that I have three exams or something like that. One written, one practical and one uh, presentation based. So they were all excellent. Very good. So no complaints. This week I'm on anesthetics. I think I might have an exam. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just On off. your schedule, it says you have an exam on Friday. Just saying. Yeah, so apparently we have some sort of exam Friday. Don't really know yet. We kind of always have them. So it's just don't, don't have that exam fear that a lot of students might have. It's fine. We'll get there. But anyway, we're not here to talk about our lives. We're here to help, hopefully, anyway, educate some people um, or at least give people some thinking points so that they can go and ask better or further questions to this. And if you remember, we are doing a you know, training series, we'll say, with the goal of at the end of this series, you should have a pretty, you know, pretty good knowledge of, okay, how should I train? You know, how should I organize my training? You know, what should I be looking out for if, you know, I'm trying to design a program or I've just gotten a program, etc. right? So with that in mind, Gary, I have a few little points that I'd like to, to go through, but I think as you write the training content, as you record the training content for the coach's corner, and you've got quite a bit of information in there already, I think on periodization, I know there is some more stuff planned. I'm going to actually let you take it away. So periodization, like what, what the fuck does that even mean? So periodization fundamentally can be thought of as how you organize your programming over time okay or your training over time so you can think of kind of programming overall or training overall in two different ways one you can think of it at a static moment in time you know what does your program look like what do you do and then you want to ask yourself okay and how does that change over time okay very simple way of looking at things and in some cases this is really um important and a lot of the Uh, discussions around periodization or a lot of the research into periodization and and different um, periodization methodologies would have emerged from Olympic sports in particular for the very simple reason that if you're doing an Olympic uh, sport, you've got a very large macro cycle of a four-year period um, across which you have to organize your training. Then you can break down your different or you can break down those four-year blocks into uh, different mesocycles which like, let's say it might be a three month period of time where you're focused primarily on strength development or something. Um, and then you might have a micro cycle, which could be, you know, the single session or the week or the month, depending on who you're consulting while reading about periodization. But overall, uh, you can see that there'd be, there might be some sort of logic there for 
an Olympic sport because if you're very far out from um, your Olympic competition, you might be, you know, developing your general fitness qualities. You might be troubleshooting from previous competitions, what your, your areas of weakness are, etc. But then once it gets closer to competition, it's very, very specific um, to the uh, upcoming events. Similarly, if you're a team sport athlete, you might view periodization or long-term training planning um, in accordance with the sporting season. So for example, if you have a sport that um, has a kind of spring to autumn season, and then you take a break from September or October to February or March or something like that, then that period of the off season might be viewed in your long-term training plan as a period where you gain a bit of weight, you focus on improving your overall maximal muscular strength, maybe laying down a bit of muscle mass, um, increasing strength in areas that are potentially um, higher or more susceptible to injury in your sport. And eventually then getting back to the more sport-specific stuff of skill development, maximal speed, explosiveness, etc. So overall, again, there, you can see that there's some sort of logic. However, just, just on that, like... This is like, why would you even be looking at that? Like, can we not just develop all of these characteristics at once? Like, surely that's what we can do, no? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And it is possible, to be fair. And, and to some degree, for the kind of average person, the kind of casual gym gore, that's actually fine. You know, an example of that would be people who are like training martial arts, like to stick with something we're familiar with. If you're training Brazilian jiu-jitsu, let's say, a lot of people get into jiu-jitsu with the kind of vision of, yeah, someday I'll get my black belt. That might be in 15 years. I don't care if it's in 10 years or 20 years. I'll get there eventually. I'm oh, just going to, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to keep showing up. You know, that, that's kind of the vision people have. Um, some people take it very seriously competitively, but most people don't. Most people are like, I'm just going to keep showing up and trying to get better. Um, I work a job during the day and I like having something to, to work at from a sporting perspective and a martial arts perspective. And if you take that into account, then what a lot of people will do is over the years, they'll simultaneously focus on, right, I want to get a bit stronger. I want to build a bit of muscle. I want to improve my fitness. And you can kind of do all those things simultaneously because you don't really have set deadlines as such, okay? There's no time pressure on you. But when you're a sporting athlete, for example, the field sport athlete, GA athlete, let's say, as you come towards the more intense phase of a season, let's say you're doing two to three um, or more in some sports, especially professional sports, um, sports specific sessions per week that are becoming increasingly intense with a lot more speed work, um, uh, a lot more high intensity, let's say repeated sprints or whatever. And then you've got your match on the weekend. Then now there's actually a number of things that, that are stopping you from training in the way that you would have to, if you're trying to build maximal strength. So for example, if you have a match on the weekend or maybe even two matches for people who play two different sports, which isn't uncommon in Ireland where um, a lot of people would play, uh, Gaelic football and hurling, or they might play Gaelic football and soccer if they're younger. Um, if you're that type of individual, you're kind of already in a position where training the lower body from Friday to Monday 
it's kind of going to, it's going to be really difficult because your legs are either going to be in a position where you need them to be fresh for the game or they're tired from the game. So it's, it's, you've, you've got these barriers in the way of you being able to develop these fitness qualities to the, to the best degree. In addition to that, if you were trying to train maximal speed or really build up your, your engine from an aerobic fitness perspective or anaerobic fitness perspective, that's going to take a lot out of you. And you mightn't be able to develop that to the, the, to the best you could if you have to go and play a game at the weekend. So this is kind of one of the reasons that uh, it, this is a, of, of a greater importance for athletes who actually have, you know, time pressure, deadlines, matches, etc. And just, that's, just on that as well, like this is one of the hard things about like Gaelic football where like they basically don't really have seasons, you know, like they say they do, but if you're in like going for championship, the better you do, the longer your season is. Yeah. And it could be like, basically everyone else is starting again where you're still, you know, you got two weeks off, you know, so you don't have as much of a season. And it's kind of the same with, you know, like different martial arts, like boxing, for example, um, or again, like jujitsu, um, you don't really have a season. Like, it's not like this is a competitive season. This is, you know, my off season, you know? And as a result of that, you kind of can't periodize as much when you're going for those kind of sports, you know, like obviously, you know, if you do have the same periods of time and people naturally periodize and like, we will get into this. I'm just interrupting, jumping ahead. Um, but like people naturally periodize their training, their nutrition, their different, whatever stuff. Like say you're coming up to summer, people will be like, Oh, I actually want to lean out a little bit. That's kind of my focus. And you might, you know, change your training around that versus like it's coming into winter now you might be like oh i'm just gonna get bigger i'm gonna really focus on i don't really care if i gain more body fat i'm gonna you know tailor my training to really focus on getting stronger or bigger or whatever right so like people do naturally fall into these like periodization cycles or whatever but just keeping it with the sporting context it really does depend on how, like what your sport is what the season of the sport is and then how you then view periodization because if we're talking about what we are talking about uh, resistance training or we'll call them strength sports right like a lot of the research on this has been influenced well by two things first of all it's been a lot of it's been influenced by the fact that we're dealing with you know previously at least sports that had a four-year cycle right like if you look at any like the 1970s literature it's all about like oh how we periodize for the olympics like it's basically just talking about the olympics and the other thing that people weren't really counting on at that time was and this is the other thing i was talking about is that a lot of that research is done or i say research a lot of those practical things were done to maximize the drugs that were being used so that's an unfortunate beginning to all of this stuff because I say beginning because like obviously people did periodize their training beforehand. Like you can go back to like ancient Greece and stuff, you know, like the a start of the Olympics, like people would periodize their training as a result of that, you know, like they had during the Olympics in Greece, uh, they had like during the month of the Olympics, they had a truce. Like, so all the different city states and all the different you know municipalities or whatever you want to call them, would have a truce so even if there was an ongoing war <clears throat> like you could travel freely to go to compete in the olympics you know um but i, I say that because they would also do stuff like you know, the three months before that they would start feeding the athletes that are going to compete like from the different provinces and whatever they would feed them more protein right because they realize oh if, I, if you get more protein you actually are a bit stronger you have a little bit more muscle coming up to the olympics like you want to get that you know prestige and whatever else you know so like Periodization is not a new concept, but the science and stuff, that's kind of really, we'll say the 70s that it comes from. 
And as a result of that, it's kind of heavily influenced by the, the modern conception of the Olympics, like that every four-year cycle, which is not modern, but you know what I mean? Um, and then also drugs, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, to give a kind of a, a personal example of, like, let's say with COVID in the last 18 months to two years, one of the things that, that happened was that a lot of people had kind of forced periodization on themselves um, or it was enforced upon them. So, for example, with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in particular or, or any martial arts, really, like there was, we basically couldn't train for longer than most other sports because of the nature of the close contact. So what I did earlier this year was I actually spent a good bit of time doing a lot more um strength work than i had for quite a while you know people if they're if you're following me on instagram you'll have seen me posting you know more deadlift videos more squat videos etc more maximal strength stuff than i had done for a long time but now that we're back to more intensive um training and jiu-jitsu is kind of open as normal effectively i'm actually not prioritizing that that as much anymore and you know, even if I, even if I have a really busy week with jujitsu and I only get two or three strength sessions in, and even if they're not particularly um, close to max effort, that's actually fine for me because when I run the, I guess the analysis on the fitness qualities that I need to improve, if jujitsu is my goal, then skill is the primary thing that's actually going to hold me back more than anything else because I've done the the strength and conditioning thing for whatever a decade, you know? And so I've, I've laid that base of like firm my weight with, with strength and fitness and flexibility and everything. Those fitness qualities are actually pretty much nailed. So it's really that it's really about bringing up the, the skill for me. However, for many other people who let's say got into jiu-jitsu without that background of strength and fitness, that actually might be what limits them because like in, in a sport like jiu-jitsu where it's, it's quite technical, the more fatigued you are, the less well you're going to be ex- able to execute the skill. So you might have great skill when you're fresh, but if you're super, super fatigued after two minutes, you're not going to be able to execute on that. So that, I guess, is a personal example of where periodization might become more relevant, where I'm going to focus more on that when we are not able to train, but I just don't have to prioritize it as much when training at full capacity. So as a result, I can, let's say, focus on getting four to six jujitsu sessions in whereas for someone else it might be a better use of their time early on to do three to four and then allocate that extra time to to their strength and their conditioning work so this just goes back to that uh, initial episode we did of series where it's like what are your goals like you know you actually have to sit down and be like what am i actually training towards because myself and gary like we're in a, a very similar position you know like i've literally well what age did i start training like 15 or something right 16 maybe um so like I've been training for 15 years, like I'm nearly 30, I'm 30 in January, right? So I've been training for now 15 years. So like in my weight class, which is the heaviest weight class we can be in, just putting that out there, like I'm already stronger than everyone else, you know, like it's going to be rare that I'm going to come against someone that is stronger than, me, you know? So if I'm at the very top end of that, like strength range, like, do I need to be, you know, doing max efforts? Do I need to be like, you know, oh, I need to really push the boundaries with strength. No, I probably don't. You know, it's not going to be the limiting factor for me, right? Um, for me, again, it's still going to be that skill component, you know? And it's also, for me, I want to get fucking bigger. Like, I'm not at the top end. Like, I'm in that top end. That's why I brought it up. I wasn't just being a, a dickhead. Um, but I'm in that, you know, top uh, weight class. But I'm not at the top end of that weight class. I'm at the bottom end of it, right? So for me, 
I'm going to spend more time, you know, focusing on building some muscle. I want to be like, right, like the top end of the weight class is like 120 or whatever. I'm not going to get up to there, but I'm like, like, let's see how far we can get into this so that I can be as competitive as possible with no actual goals to compete. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like for me, like even though me and Gary are, you know, very similar position, you know, we're just like, okay, we're both training jujitsu. We both have a, you know, a background in resistance training, cardio, whatever you want to call all this stuff. Um, we're both at a skill deficit, but our goals are still different in terms of like, what's our focus? Like Gary right now, because I'm a blue belt, I'm just far more skillful than Gary, you know yourself. Um, he's a lowly white belt. Um, so, for, so for him, like he needs to focus more on skill. For me, yeah, it's just, it's just second nature. You know, <laughs> I, I just need to get bigger right so like our even though our goals are very similar they start to diverge a little bit and that's the kind of needs analysis you kind of need to do for yourself you're like well what am i actually trying to do and then we can start layering on all this other stuff that we've discussed and then we can start periodizing a plan over time you know because like i'm not going to be always focusing on getting bigger well i probably am because i want to get fucking jacked but you know what i mean like i'm not always going to be like right oh it's all about getting bigger it's all about calorie surplus blah 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 there's going to be times where i'm like oh you know i actually want to pull back a little bit i you know gain too much body fat and that's period we'll say the body composition aspect the nutrition aspect but that also aligns with the training aspect which is more so what we're talking about here anyway that was a little bit of a tangent so continue gary yes and for clarity i think here is important it's important to note that just because we're saying this it doesn't mean that we're saying we would not benefit from getting stronger or getting fitter or getting more flexible or whatever it's just that we're closer to topping those out, you know? So it's like on FIFA or Minecraft or RuneScape or whatever, where you've got, you know, your certain characters. I don't think they actually do this on Minecraft. That's a mistake. But where you've got like, let's say I'm 95 strength. I've got 91 agility. And then with, in this case, it might be, we've got 21 skill, you know? So let's focus on trying to level that up. Uh, so you need to do that with, with respect to your own training, which goes back to the earlier episodes in this podcast. So I won't touch on that anymore. Focus on going back and running your needs analysis on your training. But the thing is, all those different things we've just discussed, we're kind of assuming that people are doing activities that require multiple different components of fitness that they have to bring up. But that's actually not the case for many listeners. Most listeners are listening to this because they want to get in better shape. They want to get a bit stronger and they want to build a bit of muscle maybe. Okay. Or they want to do that for their clients. Or they want to do that for the clients. And the, and the reality is that's, that's most personal training clients. So if you're a personal trainer listening to this, even if you're interested in strength conditioning for athletes or you, uh, you, know, you want to work with those types of people, that's just not your average personal training client. And focusing on, you know, complex periodization models for people who are interested in body composition, ugh, it, it doesn't really matter. And I'll caveat that, but I'll just say that it, it doesn't really matter. Okay, I'll, I'll add my caveat. Also, I would, I would even say like the literature would probably support that. You know? Yes. The literature is actually quite weak for periodization in general, like even with all the stuff that we've been talking about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So if you then put it into this other realm where it's like, you know, it's just body composition really that we're ch chasing some health markers, maybe, um, you know, it's very, very under supported, underwhelming uh, is the word I would use to say, you know, oh, how well does the literature support periodization for average Joe or Jane? I'd be like, very, very poorly. It's, it's not great. Yeah. And, and 
and yeah, look, that's that's most of you realistically, but that doesn't mean there isn't any benefits. So, oh, yeah. first, firstly, with regard to um, strength itself, there's definitely more. There's more long term thought that needs to go into planning for like strength, as in for sport, in the sense of like powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, strongman, Highland Games, etc. So, if you compete in a strength sport, then of course periodization or better just long-term thinking and planning that becomes more important for those because you've got deadlines okay you've got times at which specific components of fitness need to be maximized and therefore that needs to be thought about however for most people it's, it's not really that important because you don't need to exploit any one component of fitness at a given point in time if you're trying to build muscle Muscle building is primarily just a side effect of long-term training. Okay, it's a side effect of performing uh, training that's relatively close to failure at high enough volumes that you can tolerate and recover from with exercises that are appropriate um, for the muscles you're trying to train. You do that for long enough in a calorie surplus with sufficient protein and you're going to you know, gain muscle. Okay, that, that, that obviously makes it sound very easy and it's not easy, but it's simple in theory. You know, there's actually not that much complexity to planning hypertrophy training. It's more so the consistency and actually committing to it. Okay. The bottlenecks to progress with hypertrophy training are far more likely to be a lack of commitment to the calorie surplus in particular. I think Um, people definitely struggle with that and also uh, injury. Okay. That that's a huge one because one of the things that, that, that acts as a huge bottleneck is the fact that people end up in a position where they're unable to do the volume required for them to continue gaining muscle, especially as advanced lifters, because they get to a point where when they do more than, let's say 15 sets, their shoulder just starts getting at them and they can no longer take themselves close to muscular failure. So they're kind of the real bottlenecks when it comes to to hypertrophy training. So when you're planning training, then over the long term, you're trying to kind of manage those things. And that's one of the main things like you want to foster consistency, um, which is actually done through some form of periodization. And that's kind of the key point probably that will emerge from the end of this podcast that although there's no specific periodization model that's required, having people work in different rep ranges, changing exercises over time, overall, just having some sort of variation is really, really important for the sake of interest, because you could probably do the same exercises in the same rep ranges for your entire life and make good progress. You know, that'd be great. But God, that's hard to commit to. Some people do that. Like you, there's definitely some people that just show up to the gym, like clockwork every day, do the same exercises, three sets of 10, five sets of five, keep showing up, add weight when they can, and they make great progress because at least they've got that consistency in place. But, but that's even, not most people. Yeah, but even them, they, they periodize their training and they might not like have it laid out, but they do. They'll be like, all right, cool. Like say five by five, for example, because they're probably the most consistent, most whatever across the board. They're like, I go to the gym three times per week and I do five by five, you know? Yeah. Um, with them, they'll be like, okay, no, I'm actually feeling the weight back now. And then I'm going to build it back up. Like that's periodization, you know? That's just managing uh the load as a method of periodization you know and it might not all be periodized together but you've periodized your squat you know it's like this is the time i'm going to you know unload the weight a little bit and then build it back you know because the way i think of periodization especially for we'll call them like the the general population it's basically fatigue management Mm -hmm. stressor management and then adaptation management right and with that what i mean is 
like we are, let's say we're doing some sort of periodization structure so that we can manage the amount of fatigue that someone is feeling at a given time. Right. So that's why we're maybe you know, using RPE or reps in reserve or, you know, managing the amount of volume that's being done on a certain workout or a certain week or a certain you know month or whatever. Right. We're managing that overall fatigue. You know, we might be at a stage where we're kind of going, OK, we're not managing fatigue right now. We're actually trying to build up to see what is the level of fatigue that you can actually handle. Right. And that goes in with the second point where. Once we know that kind of fatigue uh, ability, fatigue level, management, whatever, we can also start manipulating the stressor, right? And this comes in two forms. Again, like as we've talked about previously, like we can periodize the stressor that's being put on the body um, to then elicit the adaptation, which is again, managing the adaptation that we want. Um, like we could be like, okay, well, actually for your goals, the stressor we need that's going to elicit the adaptation that we want is more aligned with like lower reps, right? But I know if you do lower reps for more than a month, your body starts being excessively fatigued because we've actually just established that we actually tried that before. We actually did a month for you of lower reps. And all of a sudden you're like, I feel like shit. My sleep has gone to shit. I'm starting to get a niggle in my shoulder, my hip, you know, whatever happened, right? We're not able to manage that fatigue. So even though the stressor, you know, we're like, okay, well, this is going to be the stressor that leads to the adaptation that we want. We now have to periodize our training so that we can actually, you know, sometimes get a little bit of that stressor to get the adaptations, but then we do something else the other, other time so that we're not like, we're still getting some of the adaptations, but we're not excessively fatigued. Like, for example, you might be a powerlifter and you're like, well, I only ever need to do one rep, so I'll just do one rep, you know, but anyone who does just one rep, they probably don't do all that well in powerlifting, you know? Um, so you're basically managing your training, your periodization, so that you work on other fitness qualities, other you know adaptations, so that you can then do the stuff that actually leads to the you know progress that you actually want over time, you know? So that's why we're periodizing, periodizing our training. We're basically going, okay, well, we need to manage fatigue in some way. We need to manage the stressor that is being put on the body to elicit the adaptation. So in effect, we're trying to manage those two variables of fatigue and stressor to get the adaptation that we want, right? And in the context of just you know, pure muscle building and you know, we'll call it body composition or whatever, like we are basically trying to manipulate reps and sets. And we'll use sets as a proxy for overall volume. You know, you could be doing like 20 sets per week for quads, for example, right? And so we're manipulating those variables because, you know, first of all, like Ari said, like you want your client to be consistent. You want to be able to be consistent yourself. If you just said like, oh, we're just going to 10 sets for quads per week. They're all in the eight rep range. We're doing that for the rest of your life. Same exercises, same, whatever. Like you're probably not going to enjoy training after like 16 weeks. You're going to be like, okay, just go into the gym and do the same thing again. Right. Your fatigue is probably going to be higher because there's no like waving of the load over time. There's never any easier weeks or easier days or anything like that. So fatigue is probably a little bit higher again. Also psychologically, it's just like, Oh man, I have to go in. Like you talk going back to that five by five, you talk to anyone who does five by five. They're like, yeah, man, like I enjoy it. It gets the results, but man, I'm just so fatigued going into it where I'm just like, I have to, I know the next workout I do, I have to try to add weight. It's just mentally very taxing, you know? And some people really like that, but you know, once you're past the kind of like 200 kilo mark on squats and thinking of adding like, oh, I'll just add 1.25 kilos. Like that's, that's not enjoyable. <laughs> like it's just not. Um, so that's why we are periodizing. 
it's not to do with nothing really actually what it is, but it's nothing really to do with like, you know, some structure that we read in a study or some sort of like, you know, oh, this is what the literature says we're doing it for or whatever. We're basically just trying to manage fatigue, manage the stress around the body and then manage the adaptation that we actually want to achieve from doing that. Would you agree with that, Gary? I would agree with that. And I'm, I'm actually pretty um, iterative in the way that I do that because like, like you can kind of think of, I guess, the periodization for the general population or people who are trying to build muscle in a few different ways. Like one of the most common ways that people would, would periodize would be something like we do four weeks at, you know, 12 reps, then we do four weeks at eight reps, and then we do four weeks at five or six reps or whatever, something along those lines. And planning that in advance can, can work quite well. But one of the things that I like to do with at least a lot of my clients is that I'll, especially my longer term clients, I'll review, let's say their last month of training. Um, and then the month before that, if they were with me before that, and I'll say, right, what, what have we done so far? Okay. So on your bench press, we've done, uh, we did sets of six last month, but we did sets of three the month before. So we were actually doing a lot of strength work the, the month before, not so much this month um joints seem to be in a good position you don't have any pain um you're you have been progressing well no signs of excessive fatigue and one of your goals is to try to work on really building up your maximum make or bench press strength uh, towards a one rep max so we might go back towards the lower rep ranges again then and there's no no reason why you can't do that and then for example at the end of that month of training it might be the case that the person is getting quite bored of the lower rep stuff they're finding themselves becoming disinterested in training or their elbows started to hurt or something along those lines so i might say right next month we're focusing a little bit more on the higher rep ranges i want you to do sets of 8 to 12 on bench um, and we're just going to focus on you know staying a few reps shy of failure and just accum accumulating a bit more overall volume and then again we're iterating as we go so we're saying all right how how did that go now do you feel do you feel better uh, did you progress in that rep range how's fatigue now how are the joints etc and then we keep going from there. So you can absolutely be a bit more top down about it in terms of saying, this is what the next six months will look like. And that's fine. And it's something I'd encourage someone to do if they're kind of planning their own training and they're not good at like sticking to a plan, at least have some idea of what the next six months will look like. So then you're not left in the gym ever without a plan. But if you're working with a coach kind of closely, it's actually useful to like get the feedback week to week, understand what responses you're getting from training and not just stick to a long-term plan just for the sake of it. Because that's like one of the things that would be not really useful from a coaching perspective. If I just gave my client six months of training up front and they checked in each week and I didn't change the programming based on the feedback they were giving me, then that's not really coaching. It's just me kind of saying that I can expect a certain outcome six months in advance which isn't really possible. And that will be one of the- Just on that as well, though. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you should be changing your program every single no. week. You know? no. Like if you see it and you're such like, okay, you're getting stronger here. You're getting stronger here. Everything seems to be good. You're in a good position. Like why- Milk it. Yeah, literally, why would you train that or change that? Because I've had clients before do that where it's like, you know, you'd be like three weeks into a, a six-week block, for example. You're like, okay, this is roughly what we're going to do, six weeks here. And then they'll be like, oh, like- you know, should we maybe change something here or maybe change something here? Especially, you know, if you have like a, a coach who's a client, you know, they're like, they're kind of thinking, oh, well, I would maybe do this or, you know, they're, 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 they're involved in the process. Right. Um, and then you're kind of like, no, like you are literally getting stronger everywhere. We're moving towards the goal that we want to achieve. Like, why would we change that? We should just be milking this for 
everything that it's worth, you know? And I just wanted to interject there because it can seem oftentimes that, especially if you're you know, changing your plan periodically, you know, periodization, um, it can seem like, oh, making changes is a good thing. But oftentimes making no changes is an even better thing. Absolutely. If you're getting bigger and stronger successfully, you're doing better than 95% of gym goers. Keep going, okay? Because most people aren't. Most people are stalled or they're not sticking to a plan or they don't know what they're doing. So if you're on a plan and things are going smoothly, don't change it just for the sake of it. Because that's what people do all the time. You know, they, they're having success with something. So they say, oh, how can I make this even better? I better change a few things. It's like, no, no, no. Just milk this for now and you'll be fine. So, um yeah, that's that's that. So I, I think something I was going to touch on just there is just, I guess, understanding that you can't predict outcomes super far in advance. OK, and that's the kind of the point I was making about coaching. That would be you know, an example of kind of a top down approach where you're saying, right, here's exactly what you need to do. And here's the outcomes you're going to get. Biology is just too complex for that, okay? Um, training adaptations are too complex for that. You, you can't look at someone and say, the next six months, this is what it's going to look like. Here are your progressions week to week and stick with that. This is one of the things that people run into, even outside of um, periodization specifically, um, more indirect uh, where this will emerge will be with just progressive overload generally. People will try to add, let's say, weight to the bar every single week. And then as soon as they can't add weight to the bar, they change their program because effectively they had assumed that they would be able to keep adding five kilos each week. And that was an assumption on their part as to what the rate of adaptation would be. But assuming that in advance just doesn't really make any sense. And that's one of the things that I think, like you said earlier, a lot of people who might say they don't periodize their training they do so um, just unintentionally. When it gets to the point where they can't progress the weight anymore, they'll change their exercises or they'll change their rep range because they need to constantly be seeing that weight increasing on the bar. Um, so it's kind of a misunderstanding of the training process in some sense. So I guess like my message there overall would be take the feedback as it comes back to you, whether that be from your coach or if you're a coach from your client or if you're just managing your own training yourself from how you're feeling. So are you recovering from your training? Are you picking up injuries? Are you feeling super fatigued and disinterested in training? Are you adding weight to the bar? If all those indicators are positive, keep on going, keep doing what you're doing. And if they're not, if you're getting negative feedback from those indicators, then you have to actually ask yourself, what have I done? So you don't just say, right, I'm going to change the next step for, let's say, going from the eight to 12 rep range to the four to six rep range because that is what you'd planned in advance because that would actually be quite a bad call if you had already picked up lots of fatigue and your joints were sore etc it might actually be a better case then to say right i'm actually going to pivot to different exercises lower overall stress further from failure potentially higher reps so that's why that iterative approach to training is really really important to get comfortable with over time 100%. And just to make this just a little bit more like practical for you know, the everyday person, because just remember, like, 
it can be very hard to put all That's this stuff in, in, in like trying to think of all the different variables being like oh what should i do with my training you know like go back to the last few episodes and go okay well we've we've put together a workout program we've you know started at the rep we've you know, picked maybe a few different exercises that work well for us you know we've gone okay well i want to do like we'll start at the low end of the volume 10 sets right and you've designed up your program right the next step then is going like how am i going to progress this over time and we covered that in a podcast right but then you go okay well over time has a component of you know time right it's like over that longer period of time it's not just the next four weeks the next eight weeks the next 12 weeks it's the next 20 years the next 50 years whatever right so we want to design something that goes okay well we want to manage as we said fatigue those kind of stressors and then ultimately the adaptation that we're trying to you know go for so you should take a step back and go okay well I want to manipulate a few different variables. We have reps, right? You can manip- manipulate the amount of reps that you do, right? That's a very easy one to do. Literally take the workout you just designed and you said maybe you're doing three sets of 12, right? So it's the exact same amount of volume, you, you know, three sets of 12, three, right? That's the amount of sets. We're just going to use that. We're going to use that as a proxy for volume, right? We're not going to do like a multiplication or anything, right? So sets, that's what we're using for volume, right? So you could easily manipulate that over time by going, okay, those three sets of 12, the next block, so let's just say four weeks, for example, because, you know, it's roughly a month. Um, the next block, we're going to go for three sets of eight, right? So your overall volume in terms of number of sets has stayed pretty much the same, right? But we're now going a little bit heavier because obviously you can go a little bit heavier doing eight reps versus 12 reps, right? And that might, again, allow you then in future to lift a little bit heavier for your 12 reps if you go back to that, right? Because we're, you know, slowly edging the nervous system towards being able to handle those greater loads. And obviously in the process, hopefully anyway, building some muscle to also facilitate that, right? So that's a very easy eight weeks. All we've changed there was the amount of reps we're doing that's periodization right very simple right but we can also do it another way and go okay well over time i want to build up to a level i want to focus on my quads right i'm going to alter my training you know volume overall so that more emphasis is put on my quads right but i don't know how much my quads need i don't know how much they can handle i used to have a bit of a knee injury a little bit of an adductor injury so i don't know what they can handle before they start giving out right so what you might do is I'm going to put everything else on the back burner. I'm going to put, you know, like all the other stuff that I'm working on on the back burner. And let's say, again, we have that kind of rough range of 10 to 20 sets as a a good target to be in per week of, you know, amount of volume we want to be doing. Now, again, sometimes you might want to go lower. Sometimes you might want to go higher, but let's just pick that as an average range, right? You might go everything else. I'm going to do 10 sets. That's just, I'm just keeping everything else. But quads, I'm going to start this block and I'm going to do 15 sets. Right? I'm just going to see where that's at, right? See how I feel with that. And I'm going to do that for four weeks. And let's say, again, we're, we're doing the exact same you know, model we were just using, three sets of 12 for the first 12 weeks or for the first four weeks, right? Then the next four weeks, we're still doing those 15 sets. We're going to go, okay, again, three sets of eight. Now, we could, if we wanted to, we could also go, well, I know how I've res- responded in the past to that you know, change of, 12 reps down to eight reps, right? I know what that feels like. I know how my body responds. I know all those kind of variables, right? I want to manipulate the, the volume now in terms of the number of sets. You could, in the next block, you did 15 sets this block. You might go, okay, in the next block, I'm actually just going to go to 16 sets. You know, we're increasing the weight, but we're dropping the reps. So you know, let's see how I get on with that. It's only one extra set, right? And then you could do the same the next month. You'd be like, okay, I'm going to bring that up to 
17, next month, 18, 19, 20, and so on, right? Like that is, you know, technically periodization. You have periodized your training over time so that you are building the amount of volume you do as a, you know, measured in number of sets for your quads over time, right? Until you get to this like maximum amount of volume that you can do, that you can recover from. Right. And that is a form of periodization. You could also do it the opposite way and go, okay, well, I have a block of you know, really heavy, or I should, shouldn't say heavy, really volume heavy uh, quad training or leg training. This block, I want to give a little bit of a rest for that. I need to, you know, wash away some of that fatigue that I've accumulated. The next block of training, I'm actually going to do a higher volume block for my upper body. And I'm actually going to do a lower volume block for my lower body right? Because you've already accumulated all this fatigue, right? And you could do that very easily. Like say, for example, you don't have a lot of time, but you know that you respond better to 20 sets per week for a body part, right? Like you could basically go, okay, well this month it's lower body. That's what's getting all the volume and the upper body. I'm doing the bare minimum that I can do, right? But I want everything to grow over time, right? So the, this month it's a high volume, lower body block. The next month it's a low volume, lower body block. But all that volume I was doing towards the lower body is now on the upper body, right? So you're you know, managing your fatigue that way. You're dropping some of the fatigue from the lower body as you move into the higher body block and then vice versa when you keep switching between those two, right? Because you're in a position where you're like, I know I respond better to 20 sets per week, but I don't have enough you know, energy or enough time to do 20 sets per week for all of my body parts, right? Or you don't have the ability to recover from that um, like most people probably wouldn't, but you know, you don't have the ability to recover from that. So you're like, okay, well, I have to periodize my tra- training to focus on different things over time. And this can also be done if you, you have you know, weaker body parts where you're like, okay, well, my arms don't seem to respond. Apparently that's every single guy where they're like, oh yeah, I just do 20 sets per week for arms, you know? Um, but you might go, okay, well, I'm actually going to do periodize my training to focus on a little bit more arms for the next three blocks. You know, I'm going to pull back the volume for lower body. I'm going to pull back the volume for X, Y, Z. And I'm going to really just focus on the upper or the arms, you know, like there's multiple ways to periodize your training. I just wanted to make that a bit more practical in your head because you should understand why we're doing this. And then you should start thinking about like, how do I actually put that into place? And a final thing I wanted to you know note on that is, you should also probably at some stage, now you don't, there's two ways to think about this and I'll get back to that. You should probably at some stage have some sort of deload or, you know, reload, if you want to call them that. I actually prefer reload because deload is not a word. Um, but, you know, you probably should have periods of time where you're actually just completely washing away or trying to completely wash away all that fatigue that has been built up, right? Now, there's two ways to think about this. As I said, you can have these as planned deloads in your training you can be like okay every four weeks or every five weeks or every 10 weeks or 12 whatever it is if you're just like i know after 10 weeks of hard training i need to do a a deload right you need to put something in there where you're going to drop off the volume maybe drop off the intensity in terms of the weight lifted and just let your body recover a little bit more some people like to just you know completely not train that week right now you can plan that you can plan that ahead of time right? And that works well, especially for athletes, right? Or someone that's like, I'm really committed to the training process. Training is a high priority in my day, right? Conversely, you could also just let life <laughs> hand you some deloads, you know? There's going to be weeks where, you know, you're just like, oh, like it's a little bit too stressful to get to the gym here, you know, or I can't do this, or I have to just go a little bit lighter or whatever. Like you could deload that way, right? Now, the issue with that is oftentimes those deloads come 
because you're excessively stressed, right? Yeah. And that's a little bit hard to factor in then because remember what we're doing with the periodization is we're trying to manage that fatigue and we're trying to manage the different stressors. Like, yeah, you might've managed this one stressor in terms of your training stress is now low. Great, you needed that. You, you High fatigue, you were high stress environment, but your life stress is now high. So you didn't actually recover. You didn't actually get any time for your like, you know, body to drop off any fatigue because you just replace the stressors you know like this would be literally like okay i i'm giving up caffeine because it's a it's a stressor but i actually just i don't know took up whatever i don't know smoking crack or something you know <laughs> it's like these are, these are not you know they're you know free base some crack free base some uh caffeine very easy to do you know um so you know you need to be thinking of these things in terms of like what is this deal supposed to be doing is taking a deload because life stress is high going to lead to the same outcome as someone who takes a deload and they literally are like, well, I actually got an extra 10 hours of sleep this week as a result of not having to get up early to go to the gym. They're probably not the same thing. They're probably not going to lead to the same amount of, you know, uh, washing away of fatigue, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you took the words out of my mouth because I was just about to, to make that point that, like when it's planned, it's far more restorative. Like, for example, last week, there's a number of things that were on my to-do list for, for triage and also even um, in, the, in the house here, just general housework. Also exams, as we discussed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that didn't get done because of um, exams and just a really intense week of college work. So, like, I don't look at that and say, Ah, oh, you know, lighter week of triage work last week, lighter week of uh, jobs around the house, feeling refreshed because it was enforced upon me. So I couldn't view that as like a work deload because it, it was super stressful. There was no restoration from that. And I actually have had the same experience with holidays a number of times or traveling or something where if I didn't plan to take time off work and I had my laptop and everything and suddenly you get to the hotel, you're trying to get the Wi-Fi. It's super slow. Work is taking three times as long and it gets to the end of your three-day trip or whatever. And you're saying, oh God, I've so much work that's accumulated. I was supposed to get this done. It didn't get it done. Like you can look at that and say, oh yeah, a few days of doing less work. But in reality, it wasn't because you hadn't actually planned it. Whereas if you had planned it in advance, you end up, you know, the laptops at home, you're not taking it out. You're not doing work. Your mind is free. You're able to relax. And now you're ready to get back to work when you get home. It's the exact same. I can never do that because I'm actually the CEO and the CFO and you do nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Face of a face of triage. And so what, yeah, when you're, when you're, it's the, it's the exact same when it comes to training, because if you, if you had a, a week off training because life was just really intense and you weren't getting enough sleep and you weren't able to get to the gym because you had this, that, and the other on, that's just not very restorative. So do like plan these things every now and then and be very deliberate about it. This is what I always say to clients when we plan deloads, I say to them, um, not only do I want your training to be a bit easier this week, but I also want you to take like take be much quicker in the gym, get in and out. And I want you to allocate extra time to something that's restorative. So along with them doing a little bit less training, I'll say at the weekend, I want you to pick uh, some sort of activity. I don't care what it is, whatever you like, be deliberate, plan it and go and enjoy yourself. The same can be said for, you know, food at the weekend, 
go and enjoy a nice meal. I want you to be able to take this week to relax, to feel like you haven't been having to push yourself or stress yourself. And that's true restoration then, rather than it just being enforced upon you. Which is why I like to think of them as reloads, because yep. it makes more sense where you're like, I'm actually, first of all, look, deload is not a word, right? Just think of it in terms of a gun. Would you ever deload a gun? No, you would unload a gun. You know, how do you take weights off a bar? You unload the weight from a bar. You do not deload a weight from a bar, right? So it's the same thing here. How would you, I was going to say the word, add bullets to a gun? You would reload the gun, right? Um, so it's the same thing with training. You know, we want to reload. So you want to come back ready to go. You don't want to come back and go, fuck, I'm actually so stressed because, you know, X, Y, and Z. You want to come back and go, I am ready to absolutely tear ahead with this training block. I'm ready. I'm actually, the last three days, I've been fucking itching to get into the gym. Like, that's what you want to feel at the end of a deload. You know, you want to feel ready to go. You're reloaded, right? Um, And again, there's a number of ways you can do this. You know, reducing the amount of volume you do, reducing the weight that you use, some combination of the two of those things reducing the amount of training you do you could just be like oh, i'm going to do two training sessions and you could also just completely take a week off the gym that's becoming quite in vogue these days especially uh, with people who train in more of a, a top set back off set uh, approach because obviously that's a quite fatiguing uh, approach especially if you know how hard to train and uh yeah, you want to basically come back from that reload restored. There's another way you can do this, which I want to bring on to just the kind of final point of this. And we did touch on it a few times. And that is another way to be restorative is to actually just increase your calories during that reload, you know? So it's like you actually have a little bit more energy substrate. Now, obviously the fantastic thing would also be to increase your sleep, but that's impractical for most people because their work, you know, makes them have a schedule and, you know, life does as well. Like your kids don't care that you're doing a reload and they're like, yeah, daddy, I'm waking you up at fucking 3 a.m. anyway, you know? Um, but ideally, we get all those different variables that we can use to manipulate stress and fatigue and we'll use them, right? But the final thing I wanted to touch on there is that we could also periodize our training in line with our nutrition, you know? So if you have, uh, you're like, oh, I'm actually dieting here, right? I'm actually dieting down. I want to reduce my body fat. I'm in a, a deficit of calories. You know, is that the time to be doing a super high volume, super high intensity training program? You know, probably not, right? So we're going to look at what are we doing nutritionally? What are we doing in terms of a goals perspective? And are we aligning our you know training periodization in alignment with that? You know, most people don't do it. Most people think, oh, well, I'm dieting now. So that means I should do extra training volume. You know, I should just do more and more and more because you just think of this calories in, calories out component and you go, well, if more training leads to more calorie burn, happy days right and also you know especially if you are getting very lean it can be quite nice to see yourself in the mirror going like oh, i'm actually seeing the my delts popping my biceps whatever it is and you're kind of like i'm just actually going to do another couple of sets in the gym because you're getting that visual feedback you know and it's probably not the best way to periodize your training it's probably a better way to periodize your training in line with your nutrition to be like okay well i should probably do a little bit less training volume or a little bit less intensity and um, when I am in an energy deficit versus when you are in a surplus, which is always quite strange because everyone always goes and does the opposite. They're like, oh, well, I'm going to focus on like heavy resistance training when I'm in a surplus and I'm going to do like, you know, 10 sets per week when I'm like, you have the capacity to do as much as possible. And if you want to milk it, like you should probably fucking milk it because you're in a surplus versus the opposite. 
which is what everyone thinks of. I'm going to do more work because I'm in a deficit now because that'll lead to more calorie burn. You know, and it's like, well, you actually have the least amount of support going to actually support that training, right? So that's the final thing I wanted to kind of, you know, put in here. It's like, you need to think of all the stuff that's going on with everything, you know, and the same thing goes with life. You know, if you do know that, oh, like you're, I don't know, an accountant and there's a busy time of year when everyone's doing their end of year returns or whatever, thankfully our accountant just does that for us. Um, so like you might know that there's, oh, this is a, a busy month for me. You might then pull back and go, okay, I'm actually only going to train two days per week this month because I know stress is going to be higher overall. So my fatigue is going to be higher. My you know, overall stressors are going to be higher during this time. So I'm going to pull back on the training. So it's just to like a very maintenance level, you know, so you can periodize all this stuff with your life, periodize it with your nutrition, basically look at what's going ahead, you know, in the next couple of weeks, months, years, whatever, and then start thinking, how should I structure my training to better support the adaptations that I want? Check. Fantastic. And if you like help with your training, we do have coaching spaces available. So you're welcome to get in touch um, as we head into this new month of October. And really, we're on the, the we're into Q4 now, aren't we? Q4 for business and for training, of course. So if you're looking to catch up on progress that hasn't been made this year, now is the time. Okay. So don't wait for the new year, new me job. Let's finish out the year strong. So if you need help with your training, one of those things as well, like September is always a bit of a transitory, you know, it's like transition. People are on back to school and I've, you know, I've got this to do. Summer's over, blah, blah, blah. You know, so people kind of lose sight of their goals, but then in October comes around, they're like, you know, we're actually a couple of weeks out from Christmas or we're out a couple of weeks from New Year's and I want to look good in that, you know, whatever people wear at Christmas dinner um, um, for New Year's. So like, I want to look good for that, you know? So that's what they start thinking. Okay, well, I need to get back into training. So you can use the information you just learned and go, okay, well, what am I going to do periodization wise for the next couple of weeks for my training, right? What am I going to do for my nutrition, et cetera. And if you'd like it to be us that guides you through that, as Gary said, we do have coaching spaces available. Anyway, sorry for interrupting you, Lord Skinny Gals. Continue. October, I'm telling you, October is the most important month for training. That's that's my radical claim. Absolutely the most important. Because you know what happens in October if you don't get on the path is you get into November and then it's like, ah, it's basically Christmas ah, come on, you know, it's basically Christmas. You start to get that little bit of Christmas cheer where, you know, you're in town and it's cold and you've got your long jacket and your gloves and your scarf on and, you know, people want to get coffee and it's like, oh, it's not just a coffee. It's some sort of spiced pumpkin maca cappuccino kind of job. Um, you know, that's, that's what people do. Or actually to be more into hot chocolate season then. And, you know, you just can't say no, it's rude, you know? So now is the time you need to get your training in order right now before we get into November and December. And you know, another reason why that's extra important this year, because as much as I absolutely hate to say it, lockdowns, I wouldn't be so sure that we, that the gyms will be staying open all through the winter. You know, I could definitely see little Miha Martin popping his head up on December 4th or something and saying, lads, just two more weeks. We got to flatten the curve again. Uh, so yeah, look, get the training in order now. Now is your best bet. Um, otherwise, if you're a trainer and you'd like to uh, enhance your education, join the Triage Method Coaches Corner. 
If you're not a trainer or you are a trainer and you just want to follow along with our content, follow us on social media, Triage Method, and then all of our individual accounts as well. Also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, um, the Triage Method newsletter, which you can subscribe to below. And uh, what else do we do? We've got our podcast, of course, as you're listening, and we would appreciate if you shared it, you know, share it with friends, share it with family, share it with other trainers, uh, share it on your story. And if you can, leave a rating and review if your podcast app allows for that and um is that everything is that all that we do that's pretty much everything time to go train do some jujitsu no i have nothing else to say so enjoy everyone